This program is brought to you by Genly Productions. At genlyproductions.com, you can find resources for off-map thinkers and makers, including home study courses, books, and accessories. You can also join our free Emerging Icons video series or subscribe to receive articles and updates in your inbox. Genly Productions, because there are no blueprints for journeys like ours. I'm Jen Lee, and you're listening to Retrospective. Today, I'm so happy to be talking to my friend Ophira Eisenberg, who is a comic, the host of NPR's Ask Me Another, and now a brand new author of the memoir, Screw Everyone, Sleeping My Way to Monogamy. It's fun to say. It is fun it to It is very say. fun to say. I'm so happy you're here. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. Hi, Jen. And I am... Um, I pre-ordered my copy on Amazon, and it arrived four and a half hours ago. Not only that, but like three weeks early. I don't know I what the know. magic of Amazon is, but they're magical. Thank you for pre-ordering, by the way. I've gotten exactly zero work done since it came. <laughs> I was like, all right, this is what I'm doing now. Um, and and also, was, the achiever in me was like, maybe I can finish before she You're gets crazy. here. You're <laughs> crazy. You must be a fast reader. I'm such a slow reader. I didn't get through the whole thing. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Um, <laughs> it came an hour ago. But such a, off to such a good start. Oh, thanks. And um, so I want you to tell us a little bit about this book. I want, um, for people who are just meeting you now as they're listening to this, um, we should also say that in addition to doing stand-up comedy, you also do storytelling. Yes. And... Um, are a longtime host at The Moth. Yes. And so tell me a little bit about making the transition from live performance storytelling to writing a personal narrative. What what made you take the leap and write a book? Well, part of it was opportunity, to be totally honest. I mean, I, I think I always wanted to write a book, but I, as... I'm just much more comfortable talking and telling stories on stage Mm -hmm. just because I've spent so much time on stage. And there's something about that immediate response, like, you know, how it's going. And you can really feel when you're telling a story where the audience gets bored or where there's too much description or not enough. Like, I feel like you can hear that very quickly. Um, And writing is obviously, I just hats off to anyone, any author on the planet mm. it's the hardest thing i've ever done in my entire life and i can understand why people turn into severe alcoholics and have all kinds of other vices because it is a tough and lonely process but you're right so i had to take these stories and in some cases i kind of transcribe them but what i all what i usually do is i write the story before i perform it on stage even if what i say on stage doesn't match what i've written because at least i have a document to go with and then i'll go back to that document and go oh you know i thought of this way to say this and that's much better because sometimes when i'm writing maybe everyone experiences this the gap between what my brain wants to say and the keyboard there's like a filter there where things can get translated a little bit so sometimes what ends up on the page isn't exactly how I would just say it naturally mm-hmm. and I had to really figure that out and, and you get I feel like the more the more I wrote just the better I got at it mm-hmm. and then I had to go back again and not make it so conversational because that 
I wanted to be conversational, but you still wanted to have a little bit of a literary that sounds very highbrow for a book that's called Screw Everyone. But nonetheless, <laughs> you wanted it to sound, you know, you wanted the words to work on the page. So. Yeah, it's interesting how it, there really is a difference between a difference. how we say things when we're speaking versus how things work when you're reading them humor is a really tough Mm. thing because i know that i can we all can fall back on things we do with our voice or the way we say you know really you know like even something like that to indicate how you felt about something and then you try to put that in written form and you're you know you're you're throwing punctuation to try to like all caps is coming into play but that's so Mm. it's kind of lazy right to try to figure that out so sometimes I had to rewrite the joke in a different way and there was just a couple that just never worked Mm. that's interesting because I could say something with likes and all kinds of colloquial little Mm -hmm. dings and bells and it would work well even timing 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 right right and so you try to do timing with punctuation that's what you try to do (laughs) right you put in like ellipses or an m dash yeah and it's a it's very difficult I, I thought that uh, translating the humor. Sometimes it, I just had to really try to go. All right, that that joke's out. What, what's a what's a different joke? <laughs> so, how, what is it like to? Um, I don't want you to not to get to drink your coffee. It's so good. Thank Sip you. Sip your latte. Um, Genly makes the best lattes. Everybody. <laughs> know. Um, know that. Does it? So it helps. It helps refine the story to tell it in front of an audience. I think so. I couldn't imagine doing it without that. Because I imagine most of the stories in here you've gotten to try out live. Yeah, there's a couple I haven't because they're really, you know, the book, the story of the book uh, has a through line. And so there are some transitions, mm. chapters that I, f- I feel, well, I mean... Maybe it's I'm not good of a story enough of a storyteller in some sense uh, on stage because I'm very picky about what stories should go up there. It's just I just go you know one I feel this one situation and I throw it out there. And some of these chapters have a few situations. And some people are very gifted at finding more of the you know transition in their character through minutia or thought process that makes it a story. But I I've always done it by event. Does that make sense? Was that very vague? Yeah. No, I okay. get it. <laughs> I get what you mean. So, but a lot of them, the key ones I've tried on stage, and not only have I tried on stage, I've tried them a lot. Mm-hmm. A lot. Well, one thing that I was thinking about before you got here today was that uh, Justin and I, earlier, last year, we saw David Sedaris at yeah. BAM. Yeah. And it was so interesting to me because he was touring to promote his new book, but he didn't read anything from his new book. Good. He was reading all new material or things that had been like in different literary magazines, you know, oh, different essays that I think he was considering for a future collection. And as he was telling the stories, first of all, I should say that for like 90 minutes, it was just that guy in a spotlight and a microphone. And it was amazing. And the entire opera house was just spellbound. I love that. Totally captivated. And as he's telling the story, he's literally reading off the paper. Like, I've never seen anyone be so captivating reading off of paper. And then he had his pencil, and he was, like, making Making notes. notes. And I thought, 
Okay, that's genius. It's He's using awful. his book tour to write his next book, essentially, and to try out different ways of... And no wonder his I, timing is so good. Yeah, I would love to have a following that would be as patient and into me enough to do that because I I think so much... I, you know, I, I the sounds... I'm not trying to sound... There's no ego attached to this, but I do a lot of my best writing on stage mm-hmm. when you're like really in the moment and you're really telling a story just like I would to you and excited and I can tell that you're excited to hear it. And then your brain just, you know, starts, thinks of a funny way to describe something or a more interesting way to describe something than maybe I would if I was just, you know, in a solitary little bubble rethinking mm-hmm. it to myself. And so all of those moments you know, I wanted to capture. So sometimes I recorded on stage and I just did notes right afterwards. But that is, uh, yeah, that is a process. And the boring thing too, man, there is nothing like getting to a part of your story where you're like, this is really important stuff. And you just feel <laughs> the audience go like, they're, you know, they're shuffling. You hear that cut, like silverware clanking. <laughs> you're starting yeah, to get fidgety because oh, you're like, I don't care about this. Get to the point. So tell me about this. There's a certain way that um, by doing stage storytelling, we've already been kind of working in this realm about letting yourself be seen and um, and kind of just working out our relationships with vulnerability. Mm -hmm. But what was it like when you realized that this, memoir was going out and it was going to be in bookstores and stuff did was that a is it a different way of terrified (laughs) i'm terrified i'm terrified (laughs) i am totally terrified uh yeah you you don't want to toil in obscurity that is for sure but i'm terrified (laughs) uh i mean it's it's great i'm very i'm scared i mean uh a lot of people I know along the way have read this book as I was putting it together and needed advice. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, whatever, a dozen people, including editors and whatever, but they're in the business, so they have they want you to get this thing out. You know, other people I was hoping would be more honest. And I got some good feedback, and I tried actually along the way to give it to a wide range of people. Be- I tried to give it to some guys in their 50s. I tried to give it to some guys in their 20s. And I mention guys because uh, guys generally don't read. I mean, that's like the uh, <laughs> stereotype when you're selling right. a book. They're just like, well, it's for women, so uh, what do you got? So I was trying to give it to guys that read just to see how they thought about it. I gave it to some young women. I gave it to some women my age uh, and one family member by marriage. Not anyone in my family should read my book called Screw Everyone. So Please. Have you told them they're not reading or are they just, do you have a clear separation are, of like uh, family and work? Yeah, my family is, um, they're, they would never go out of their way normally <laughs> to embrace <laughs> what I do. Yeah. So uh, not mentioning it is fine. <laughs> <laughs> so you're just playing it kind of. Yeah, playing it cool. Letting it lay low. I mean, my mother, who's 83, was like, I'm going to read your book. And I was like, no, I don't think so. I mean, if any of them end up picking it up and reading it. God love them. Uh, there's nothing. I'm not ashamed of anything mm-hmm. that I've done in my life, but it's it's in there. So judge away. It's too late. Um. So yeah, but that feeling that this is in bookstores and it's too late, and maybe some people. Uh. Well, there's. I just. It's about to happen. I'm about to get the reaction. It's a. 
exciting and terrifying. So how do you how do you cope with that? How do you? I don't know tips. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have any tips for us. Uh, the one thing that I think I, that I'm trying to keep in my head, well, the internet is just the most wonderful and horrible thing on the planet. <laughs> when you hear about what people think about stuff, but. Uh, we played a game on the NPR show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a great game. I loved it. And I'm, I can't remember exactly what it was called, but basically the per- the game was we had taken one-star Amazon reviews for classic books, famous books. I mean, every like Great Gatsby, Old Man and the Sea, Eat, Pray, Love, like the whole a gamut of books. Books that are generally seen as, you know, top books. Mm-hmm. And they have one-star reviews. And we read those as clues, you know, taking out the any descriptive information about the author or oh, the wow. title. And the contestants had to guess what book we were talking about. I mean, we're talking, you know, the answer could be Old Man and the Sea. And the review is like, this book ruined my life. <laughs> you know, I wanted that old man to drown from, you know, the only exciting part was the fish. I mean, people just hate things. Mm-hmm. They hate things. And we've provided the perfect medium for them to express that. Um, because if you like some things, it just adds to your day and you move on. But if you hate something, it really sticks in your head and you feel like you have to do something about mm. it. Uh, so um, I'm trying to just go, hey, some people are going to like this, some people are going to hate it. When I wrote it, I liked it. Mm-hmm. I think if I, if I read it now, I'd probably go, oh, I'd change this and da 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 because, you know, it's a process. Mm-hmm. Well, reading the beginning helped me. It was just reminding me all over again about uh, why I love your stories and your comedy and your work so much. There's this way that I feel like... I'm trying to think of how to explain it. Self-deprecating? No, it's not just self-deprecating. It's like, I think what I respect so much is the high level of self-awareness that you have. So I always feel like you're telling the truth to me because I feel like you're telling the truth to yourself. Does that make sense? That's nice. Uh, It was difficult to gain perspective on your life, but you really do look at stuff. I mean, and I continue to look at stuff. I just only realized recently that I didn't do well on stage for years because I was so scared of the audience. (laughs) I really was just uh, Mm. battling with that. But yeah, you keep having perspective. But I'm glad you feel that way. I felt like I was being honest life is hard man (laughs) well and I think I always appreciate people who can walk you step by step instead of just being like "Eh, I must have just been born this way you know what I mean but to actually be like no here are actually defining definitive elements that got me from you know birth where we're all coming in kind of clean slate right to like this particular future, this particular outcome. Yeah. And again, you know, you could, I think there, there's so many ways you could arrive at the story of why you are. Obviously that's, that's the, uh, I think why therapy is so popular. There's so mm-hmm. many different ways that you can arrive, but you, you know, so in some ways I picked some that I just felt strongly about. I was like, I know I was always the youngest child and I'm still just the youngest sister so many of my interactions with people are are me being the younger sister it's hilarious Mm. i cannot believe how much money i spend on anti-wrinkle cream and i still (laughs) act like i'm the baby of the family and have no idea what's going on 
it's hilarious. Yeah, it's funny. We do have certain stories that then become pervasive when we're like acting them out all over again. Yeah. I have one of those about being the new girl because we were always moving growing up. Right. So I'm always like, I don't belong. Right. <laughs> just right. the new girl I know. I'm kind of outside. Yeah, and I just really wanted to be liked. Who doesn't want, who doesn't want that? But the way you express it is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. You know, actually, I'm sure there's a couple of people out there that were like, I didn't care about being liked. Mm-hmm. But I cared about being liked, mm-hmm. and I didn't know how to do it. So I, f- I figured out my own little paths. Mm-hmm. Path. Yeah. And obviously this book is about screwing people. I mean, it's not all about screwing people because it's a lot about relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, like, what we're drawn to and why. And But also, I think I appreciate you kind of mapping out the way we evolve in relationship. Because by starting out as a teenager, you know, and kind of taking us through your adulthood, there's a lot of phases and stages I feel like are pretty universal. Yeah. Well, and I I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know what it's like for everyone statistically. But at the time in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, when I lost my virginity at uh, 15, 16. I always forget which one it was. It was such a monumental day of four seconds of my life gone. <laughs> <laughs> but it was spring of, uh, and I was always younger than everybody else. So it was spring of, of grade 12. Uh, and, or spring of grade 11. Anyways, it doesn't matter right now. The point is, is that at the time I thought that was normal. Mm. Turns out, not totally normal. Mm. Because I've met a lot of people living in New York who I always think, oh, New York, everyone's got a crazier life than I ever had. People are like, oh my God, I, I lost my virginity in like the last day of college. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, what did you do before then for fun? <laughs> <laughs> really? You just kiss people? How? How? <laughs> How did you know when it ends? <laughs> well, I think that's an interesting thing too about being in New York is that Every, everyone's kind of ordinary is a little bit exotic. Here. Totally. And I also had no idea. I thought my, so I have this little relationship world in Canada that I thought I, you know, I, I kind of perfected even in my twenties, you know, I'm hanging out with guys doing this, I'm doing that. And even though I was completely out of control, I really thought I had some sort of control over it. And then I moved to New York and talk about the advanced version. Like mm. who knew I was playing like bing slash demo version. for years because you get here and people don't have the time to treat you in the same way Uh, there's a time thing there's just a pure numbers thing of craziness Mm -hmm. that you're going to get a larger percentage of crazy Uh, and the the power dynamics are all messed up here Mm. all these beautiful women are like why won't he call you back I'm like what that really struck me when I moved here hmm all these amazing, beautiful women crying, going like, why won't he call me back? I'm like, how does he have the power? I do not understand. But then I ended up being, you know, you can't, you, you, you walk into the institution, the first day you're like, well, we're going to clean this place up and turn it around. <laughs> One week later, you're like, why won't he call me back? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think another thing that people are going to love about this story is, um, like, everyone wants the happy ending. Sure. For the protagonist, you know? Gives everyone hope. Yeah. But but having, like, the unlikely candidate get the happy <laughs> ending, like, I think that even the title kind of sets people up to know, like, 
the unlikely candidate ended up with like <laughs> the the textbook ending and that's the big surprise right yeah the spoiler is in the title <laughs> of the book <laughs> but I, th- I think it also sets it up for the mystique and mystery of it too of how i took there's a one story in this book about um finding uh i guess i won't be ruining it if i i am whatever you'll read it anyways or you won't listeners it's up to you <laughs> uh but there's a story when I'm, I'm i'm dating a guy and uh things are going quite well and i find this list that he has written that he has compiled of all the girls he's been with and i'm just so heartbroken and upset about the idea of this list this list existing and i think that i've been completely had by this guy that you know i that he displays and and you know is just a completely different person than who he actually is and i i took that piece and i was actually workshopping it and i had some people read it in the early stages because it was a very hard one to write and that's the one that my husband did disliked the most because it's about him and every person that read that piece goes so whatever happened with that guy and i was like i married him and they were like what (laughs) (laughs) i could not believe that that was the person i married i'm like yeah yeah we got through that (laughs) that's amazing yeah so I kind of knew I was onto something, you know, but I, I didn't understand it while I was putting it together. But when people said that to that particular piece, I was like, oh, this is good. I like the idea that it doesn't seem like it would go that way. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, too. It breaks the formula. <laughs> A little bit, I guess. Even though he, what, all, he I think he, he on in the book, comes out very nice. <laughs> it comes out very nice. It's good. So he's okay. He's okay. I mean, we had some discussions along the way. He's read almost all of it. He knows a lot of the stories, nonetheless. If anything, when he read some of the racier ones from my uh, 20s and what have you, he was like, he reflected on his own life. He was like, wow, what was I doing (laughs) in college? Like, really? That was a possibility? And of course, I'm the other way. I'm like, I wish I would have just actually paid attention and done something. Mm decent with my time other than running after guys um so it's been a big year for you because <laughs> you've been while you were finishing this book you were also starting to host the new NPR quiz show ask me another yeah both those things happened in the same year so right? weird yeah um actually to be fair I got the book deal uh, the in August of I, I mean it was a very long process, although I guess it doesn't matter in the end how long the process was, but it is long. I'm mm. an expert at the longest path between A and B. Expert. <laughs> if you want to know how to walk very slowly <laughs> through to your goals, I'm here for you. you Career counseling. How <laughs> to walk very slowly. Tiptoe to, you have... to your dreams. Oh, you're interested in, in making money off being on stage? Do you have 10 to 15 years to work with? You're going to need that. Um, my The literary agent, Aliyah Hana Habib, that I worked with, I actually met through the moth. Mm-hmm. Her and her boyfriend at the time, now husband, were in the audience watching me actually host, which is a weird thing to... Because I tell little tiny snippets of stories throughout a hosting thing. And they approached me... Uh, well, she approached me. Her husband now, or boyfriend then, was like, oh, she's funny. Maybe we should talk to her, see if she has a book. 
So she approached me, we sat down. I really liked her, just thought she was smart. She explained to me the marketplace really well. And I had a bunch of stories already and I was like, okay, well, we worked on a proposal back and forth for a year. Mm. And then she went out and sold it and like sold it so quickly. I don't know how it usually works. I don't think you have eight months to sell a book. Like either it happens or it doesn't. I think it happens quite quickly. So she had this bite from Seal uh, and we went back and forth in that. That was in August of two years ago. <laughs> what year is it today? 2013? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 2011. Mm-hmm. And then I had a year to write it. And so it was due the next August. I took a couple more months. But that January following that, January 2012, is when it was actually Christmas Eve uh, before then is when I got an NPR job. They called me like on Christmas Eve. I was like, wow, if I wasn't Jewish, this would be amazing. (laughs) I mean, still festive, but just imagine. (laughs) And so what was that year like? Like, I, I think that from the outside, people look at other people's career paths. Yeah. Right. And they see these moments where things people talk about someone like just exploding right or um or arriving people have all these different metaphors or narratives about how yep you've made it big or surely you're you're peaking i don't even know what things that people say but there's a lot that people kind of interpret from the outside sure looking in but what was it like on the inside to be i mean on top of that, you were still doing comedy yeah. and hosting. Yeah. So. It's totally insane. Um, well, you know, I'm, one, unbelievably grateful. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't even express that enough. Two, this is the hardest I've worked in my entire life, and I thought I worked really hard before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one, I mean, on one level, nothing, it, it feels like... Nothing feels like it played into each other, but it all did because the the whole of performing helped everything. But the NPR thing came, you know, they it's not like they saw me do stand-up or saw me do anything. They brought me in for an audition and they liked what it was, what they saw. Mm-hmm. But I was basically an unknown to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the book thing came out from the moth, but they didn't, you know, it's not like they were watching my stand. It's very weird. And then I had a chance to do Craig Ferguson recently and they don't know per se that I've written a book. Well, now they do, or that I host an NPR show. That was just me talking to a booker with a stand up tape. So all these things are very mm-hmm. different. And I think there's this idea that they all, um, fed into each other like someone's like oh did you get on the craig ferguson because you host the npr show like i don't think so i I mentioned that to them and they were like oh really oh interesting yeah because from the outside you're looking at going there's some publicity mastermind behind all of it being like no we're gonna do this move or that move it's just coincidence Hmm. but or on the whole you know maybe um it's just, I think I just got a little better at what I do. Mm-hmm. The book was a whole other thing. That was like just bizarre timing. It's like, oh yeah, and write a book. Guess what? You get to make money doing a NPR show. Did you have that penciled in before? No. <laughs> like, I didn't know mm-hmm. that was ever going to happen. It was the first audition I ever got. 
But maybe the reason why I got it is because I finally went into an audition not freaking out, a little bit more comfortable with what my voice was and who I am. And I was like, this is what it is, you know? And if you like it, great. And if you don't like it, well, this mm. is what it is. <laughs> like, I can't change me anymore. Mm. We, I've decided on me. Mm. So that's what's for sale. Mm. And either you like it or you don't. Because it's exact. And I spent so many years just being like, Am I, is, this, is this my voice? Is this really me? Maybe I should do this. I see that person going about it this way. I should do that. And then I think just that the only upshot of age is you get to a point where you're too exhausted for a strategy that isn't just organic. Mm. So you just go, you know what, I'm just going to be me. And if it works out, great. <laughs> mm. So do you feel like that's made the difference? Is that sense of just kind of letting go? Yeah, I wish it was like full letting go because of course I'm, I get neurotic about stuff all the time. But I do know that I used to be, I've, I've become less concerned on some level about what people think, even though that is like such a through line in the book. What do people think about me? And that, and I'm not saying I don't care. Right. But I can't, I would, I'm, I was obsessed. Mm. But at one point you really have to go, I mean, in a different sense, screw everyone. Either you like it or you don't. Mm. And there is nothing I can do about that. That's really good. Yeah. So it's hard. And I think about that when I go on stage. I go, oh my God, what if they hate me? And then I, you just have to go, you know what? None of you people here are going to make sure that I have a meal tomorrow. Like, none of you people are going to, like, provide me with love. <laughs> We're doing a show. So either you like it or you don't, I'm going to do my best job, and that is it. But you put so much stock in all this stuff. It's like, you know, casting director. I'm like, was oh, that casting director going to, like, hold me when my mother's sick? No. They don't <laughs> care. Stop caring. That's really free. Um... I think another thing that comes up is just that there, there's so many surprises and twists and turns along the way when you're doing creative work. Yes. Like there's not like a, a corporate ladder to climb where you're like, and then I get this promotion no. and then I get that promotion. So how have you figured out what, when to twist and when to turn or how do you f kind of suss out What's a good opportunity for you or not? I'm not match? good at that. I'm not good at that. <laughs> I wish I could. Have. I mean, I have, I'm a goal setter for sure. But if I showed you right now my list of goals from two years ago, none of them have been met. <laughs> They're all very different things. I and was probably like, none of the things you've done even made that list. No, they... it was like put on a one person show. I mean, I would love to do that, but things just changed. Like mm -hmm. that wasn't. Uh, so, which is, you know, I used to say uh, you got to make your goals in life otherwise life will make your goals for you and I meant that in a very negative way like be careful because unless you make your goals life will just tell you what your goals are mm -hmm. but now I mean but I've always I am I, I say yes to everything uh, I take a, a, a note from Joan Rivers on that like say yes to everything and I if the one little bit of credit I give myself is that I'm a workhorse and I did a billion shows because I knew I'd have a lot of stage time and I need to keep busy. And if a little website was like, hey, do you want to send us some stuff, like funny sketches on spec? I would do it. I would do every, everything that I could, just hoping something would turn into something. Mm -hmm. So, and I went on the road. I mean, I would just do everything I could. Mm 
mm-hmm. every second was dedicated to this darn career. <laughs> so thank God it worked out because that would be a very sad story. <laughs> I know. If you were like, and now I'm a waitress. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Didn't work out. So that's why I now live. <laughs> Insert strange small city. Um, so, so I don't know. I don't know how. I think you have to go with it a little mm-hmm. bit. I think you do have to go with it. And whatever, some stuff didn't feel right. And I had to find that only, you know, I'm very much put your hand on the burner if it burns guess what too hot mm-hmm. so yeah like on the road that didn't I liked it but it didn't really I knew it wasn't exactly who I was mm-hmm. rolling around on, to comedy clubs mm-hmm. it was tough it was just like a little a little more uh I don't want to say lowbrow because some of those audiences are great and they're getting better and better because comedy's in such a heyday but sometimes it's you, you know I was like do I really want to work in a bar like what am I going to do to make this better mm-hmm so what's coming up for you? What are you up to this year for the rest of the year? What is where are we right now? You're releasing March. It's March <laughs> Well, the book is coming out April second, so, so I'm gonna exciting. do some book events. Mm-hmm. Um I'm gonna go to I don't know, I'm gonna go to the I know this. I'm going to the Los Angeles Times Book Festival Great. in the middle of April to be amongst people who hopefully read don't know do people read in LA we'll find out <laughs> uh and a couple other book related events the NPR show we're taping all throughout the year and we're going to do a couple shows on the road and that's now nationwide right yeah it's right now I think we're on a, it's like we get the tally because that's how we know how things are going so right now we're on 157 stations I believe that's great and growing so hopefully growing more and more and uh what else I don't know I think I'm gonna sleep a day what maybe <laughs> but uh yeah, and figure out what I want to do now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know what I'm doing now. I forgot the key thing. I'm working on a screenplay. <laughs> what? Yeah. Well, just a treatment. We'll start with that. There's been some interest. Sounds good. We'll see if it turns into anything. It's like the beginning stages. But yeah, I've never done that before. We'll see what that's about. I love that. You know me. I love doing stuff I've never done before. Ever. That's my entire life. So I love being like comedy storytelling hosting book the only NPR, t- yeah the only book. time that blew up in my face is that i was like yeah i can design websites like right in the beginning because <laughs> every job i just sort of be like oh, i can kind of do it whatever i'll figure out the rest and then i had to design someone's website and i i could i mean i was like you need to go to school for this for like years <laughs> i'm never gonna figure this out <laughs> like it was way too hard yeah. Well, that visual piece is like a whole other... Yeah, I couldn't do it. Like, type of intelligence. How do you learn, like, like, HTML in nine hours? <laughs> <laughs> so. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's tell people a little bit about where they can find you and your work. Your okay. website is ophiraeisenberg.com. Yes. Good luck spelling it. O-P-H-I-R-A. Eisenberg. We'll put a link yeah, on the you blog. Yeah, you got to do that on your own. And... Um... <laughs> Google yeah. Oprah something Jewish. That's right, Oprah something Jewish. My if favorite. If we say that enough, it'll just start hitting in Google results. You know. That would be amazing. Search engines. Every that time someone amazing. writes Oprah something Jewish, it'll be like number one, Ophira Eisenberg. Um, your memoir, Screw Everyone, Sleeping My Way to Monogamy, is now available online, and it is like, it's an amazing deal. <laughs> it is. It's, it's very like affordable. Under ten bucks on Amazon. I believe it's nine dollars and eighteen cents right now and falling. It's amazing. 
and it's a great funny read it's like reflective and thoughtful and hilarious and you can go to a bookstore too if you and feel you like it april 2nd if you like a bookstore barnes and noble i'm told right now is freaking out so you can walk in there and ask them for a book they'll be so psyched that you're not buying a greeting card or nook or a toy it's like or all toy. toys and games I know. in there wrapping paper so depressing um and also we should mention if people want to hear you talk more about storytelling that yes. you're one of the featured teachers in our telling your story home study course yes from genley productions honored which is a totally great um course and a great listen to and then you can get up there and tell stories and then write a book about them imagine what your life could be like you too could be hosting an npr quiz show yeah i guess so let's see how many npr can hold (laughs) how many puzzle shows can npr sustain but um your quiz show is called ask me another yes and it's a it's at a different time on whatever station Mm -hmm. public radio station is in your uh, area but m- mostly most on often. the weekends yeah mostly on the weekends saturday or, or sunday during the day usually after the radio lab or the moth radio hour which is now weekly too and we're lucky enough in brooklyn to get to come and hear the tapings live yeah which if you're is ever like in brooklyn or new york thing to do monday nights come on down thanks so much for being thank with us. you jen thank you for listening to this episode of retrospective i'm your host jen lee Meet me back here for more conversations and stories about where we are and how we got here on Retrospective.